Urban Spelunking is supported by Landmark Credit Union. Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. All right, Bobby, this week we are in downtown Milwaukee. This is a building that's right next to AJ Bombers on Water Street. I know I've walked by this building a million times, but I can be honest, Bobby, I've never noticed this building, and it's been there since the 1880s? Yep, yep, yep. It's the kind of building that maybe you wouldn't notice, though. It's very unassuming. Unassuming. The windows are covered up. It's got kind of... Um, it's got a little sign on it that says A. Werner Silversmiths. Uh, you don't generally see a ton of people coming in and out. There's not like a loud flashing sign or something, you know. You, you could miss it. And I did miss it. You I, did. I, many, I, many times. <laughs> maybe you've missed it too. So it's right next to AJ Bombers. And as we mentioned, it's been there since 1888. And it represents kind of this older construction that was, you know, it's a wood frame building. And it was a family business for a lot of years. In fact, since the 1950s, at least, uh, Werner, A. Werner Silversmith was in this in this building. So what kind of work went on there? And we should mention too, the reason why we're talking about it is because it's for sale Yes. and you know, the future of this building, who knows what it might become, but uh, they did like repairs of, of uh, metal and silver plating. Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of work happened there? Yeah. So this, the family that owns it now, it's two brothers that own it. One just retired and the other one is looking to retire. Um, And they sort of inherited the business from their dad who had inherited it from the son of the founder. Um, And, so they've been running this business for decades um, in this spot since the mid-50s, as you said, um, and in other locations before that. And I think the time was just right for them to kind of move on because they wanted to retire and they had nobody to take over the business. And so the building has been put up for sale, which means, you know, it's interesting to me that the building, which is old, is is up for sale because we don't know what will happen there, of course, right? I mean, there's a nice big parking lot next door, so it could get torn down and a, something new be built or something could go into the building. Um, yeah, for a building that's kind of unassuming, I, the, the price tag is still pretty high, right? And well, it, yeah, it you're buying you the, the location, right? Yeah, I mean, the you're location. You're buying the spot, and, and they do have all that adjacent parking lot space, so there's a pretty a decent-sized lot there. But what struck me was just kind of the loss of this business that was founded by an immigrant in the 1880s and has survived all this time like a... And it seems like such an unlikely kind of, can you name me one other silversmith? Right. I was going to say, it's going to be a really specialized skill, right? Yeah. And I mean, there's other people who do the work. Of course, they're not the only silversmiths, but, um, but they do like all sorts of, like you said, they do repairs and they do plating and they work in silver and they've done gold and bronze and, and different things like that. So but it's interesting to me that this, that this business is really kind of one of the last of these kind of small family owned independent businesses in downtown kind of going away. And they had a neighbor um, up until a few years ago that had been there for a hundred years from uh, 1918 to 2018, I think was the um, Milwaukee molding and frame, which was just down the block. Mm. Um, so now they Same really kind are, of story I'd imagine. Yeah, too, so right? they really are one of the last. How does a building like this that is so, you know, um, maybe maybe not instantly recognizable, it's a pretty straightforward building, how does this catch your attention and how does this become an urban spelunking? Because you could have just been like me and kept walking past this building and, and never gave it a second thought. But here we are. It's for sale, of course. But there's so much story there that you uncovered. Yeah, and, and I... I recognize, I mean, I knew the building, but I didn't pay that much attention to it either. Although somebody at Milwaukee did do an article about the silversmithing business about six years ago, which, which I thought was interesting. Um, 
but what really happened is, was it came up for sale and I saw that it was for sale and I started to dig into the history of the building and the business. The building is interesting because it, you know, it was built around the same time the business started and it was home to taverns until prohibition and then a bunch of restaurants and, and it was a diner when these guys took it over. Um, so it has an interesting history of its own, but the fact that it came up for sale and the end of this sort of long lived family run business to me was the big, the big story. Well, coming up next on Urban Spelunking, you know, this building's been there for a lot of years, since the, the 1880s. So we're going to talk about some of those those businesses that came and went over the years, how they survived Prohibition, and then uh, more about the current owners coming up next on Urban Spelunking. Support for 88.9 Radio Milwaukee comes from your membership and Landmark Credit Union. Landmark Credit Union is proud to support Urban Spelunking and is proud to have been guiding members with financial options since 1933. Information about membership is at LandmarkCU.com. Landmark Credit Union. Like listening to Milwaukee produced podcasts? Then check out Radio Milwaukee's innovation podcast, Diverse Disruptors, hosted by me. Tariq Moody. We talk with entrepreneurs from across the country that are innovating for a more inclusive world. Listen at RadioMilwaukee.org slash Disruptors. Diverse Disruptors is presented by University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Northwestern Mutual, and United Ways Tequity. All right, we're back on Urban Spelunking on Water Street outside the A. Werner Silversmith building. As we mentioned, this is uh, for sale. It's going to be sold. Mm-hmm. It's on the market now. So where should we start? Do you want to start way at the beginning? I 18... think we should start with Adolf Werner. All right, Adolf Werner. Tell us about Born Adolf in Werner. Vienna, Austria. Okay. Um, and as a kid, he was apprenticed to a silversmith. His dad wanted him to have a good future, I guess, and decided that he needed to learn a trade and somehow landed uh, in this silversmith's uh, business. And he learned the trade. It was uh, It was a struggle, I think, for him because he was beaten by this guy that he was apprenticed to. Um, Yikes. And he ran away three times and was captured and brought back three oh times. Goodness. So it must have been a pretty brutal place to learn. But Yeah, I mean, what were what were apprenticeships like in the late 1800s, I wonder? I guess that's our answer. <laughs> right? <laughs> right there, you know. But he did learn the trade, and um, uh, after a few years, the, the master told him he taught him what he could teach him, you know, and sent him off on his own, and he seems to have apparently gotten a straight out of Dodge. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, who Getting could out of there. Him, right? Uh, and so he came to the United States. And he first set up a shop um, on Upper Third Street, probably somewhere near North Avenue kind of area, which was a heavily German-speaking area at the time. Um, And it was a pretty small shop, and his business did so well that he outgrew it like almost immediately and ended up moving to a new place along the river between... uh, Mason and Wisconsin on Water Street. Okay, so, so the business was always kind of centered around this Water Street area. Yeah, so except for that initial bit, he was he was always on Water Street. Um, but for 22 years, he was down kind of near Wisconsin Avenue, um, apparently doing boom in business because, again, he outgrew that and he needed more space, and that's when he moved up to... Um, there was a building next to the current building that's now, and it's now a parking lot. And he was in there first... Well, and actually by then his son had taken it over. So uh, he retired in the late 20s. His son took it over. Um, and that son ran it until his death in the mid-50s. And at that point, um, there was no one in the family to take it over. So this guy that had, this guy named Douglas Weed had been uh, hired about a year and a half before the, the 
silversmith died and he took over the business. But as his son said, he'd only been there a year and a half. <laughs> he didn't really know a ton about doing right, the work. Yeah. He'd, learned, he'd learned some, but he said he really ended up just sort of studying like like books, Crank, right? Cranking it into high gear and yeah. studying books and talking to other... He didn't have an other, apprenticeship. No, right. He had just a very brief one, right? And so then he would see what others, you know, he'd visit other silversmiths, learn, thing for, learn things from them. He would study these books that are sort of called the Bibles of silversmithing that they had in the back. Was, was silversmithing like a really lucrative career? Was it kind of akin to being a, a jeweler or, you know, or was it was it more of a trade? I think it was more of a trade, but I think, I mean... I think if you did good work, you got a lot of business. And these guys seem to have really done good work because um, every every group, you know, that had owned it over the years, every person that had owned it over the years had really good customers. They got really well known for doing church stuff. What kind of work does a silversmith do in this in this era? Um, well, there was the church stuff, so candlesticks, like everything you can think of in a church. Plating. Brass or yeah. silver or gold plated. Um, they did lots of that work. And actually the son, Leo Warner did all of the stuff that had been damaged in a fire at St. Paul's on um, Marshall and Knapp Street. There was a oh, fire there. Okay. He had redone all that stuff. And um, then the guy that took it over from him, his sons, after Trinity had their fire, they had actually cleaned up all of the stuff that was on the altar at Trinity before the fire. And then he said, then the fire happened and it all came right back. <laughs> we oh, had wow. to do it all over again. Wow. Um, but so there was that kind of work. So it or religious work, but also lots of household stuff, right? I mean, back, you know, in the time when people had probably a lot more silver than we have now, you know, silverware, silver plates, silver vessels, tea sets, like all these different kinds of um, silver things in their house that they needed, that they used, and so they needed to be clean, they needed to be fixed. Um, that was what their business was, and I think what's happened is over the years, is people don't have those things as much anymore or they just, they sit in a shelf and they don't really get used. You, you clean them once in a while and it, there's not that much work. Yeah, I'd imagine just culturally we've shifted away from getting out the fine china and the nice silverware. I feel like that's from right. a, a bygone era, right? right. Now it's more about, I don't know, bring a dish to pass or yeah. you know, find something to cook off of, uh, <laughs> exactly. ta- you know, off the internet, off Pinterest. Order a pizza. And, <laughs> order a pizza in a cardboard box and call right, it a day, right? right. <laughs> but it's interesting because he showed me something that they that he was working on and it was um, it was a silver, I'm trying to remember, it was a piece of silver. I don't remember if it was a fork or a spoon, but it was a small one and it fell down in the garbage disposal in the sink. And so it was all sort of mangled up. And so they do that kind of work too. They would like, they would have to hammer it back into the, its oh, original wow. shape, and then they have to grind it till to get it smooth again, and then they have to you know polish it and then refinish it and all that kind of stuff. So that's all the kinds of work work that they're doing even still today. Interesting. So not jewelry at all. This was more. I don't think it's. Ju- I didn't get the sense that it was jewelry, but I mean, they there might be some jewelry involved. Got um, it. But the, the stuff they had on display was all sort of more household stuff. You know, lots of lots of light fixtures too, like chandeliers with metal parts. You know, sure. So you can see how just time kind of moved on from this this business, and yeah, um, probably why it's for sale today. And, and you know, it, it had obviously a really long run. You think about being in business under the same name since the fifties. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment well, for any business. Well, really, since the eighteen eighties, right? right? I yeah, because Werner himself started in eighteen eighty eight. So I mean. That's a lot of years. Yeah. So just to clear the timeline up, they were in this location since the 50s, but yes. the business itself, much older. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. 
So it's for sale now. We've learned mm-hmm. a bit about the the history of the building. But aside from the silversmithing, there was also restaurants and yeah. Uh, what else? Come? Yeah, there was the earliest things I could find in there were bars. Um, up until about Prohibition, and then uh, restaurants during Prohibition. Then there seemed to be a bar or two right after Prohibition, and then back to restaurants. And and they, they actually told me when their dad took it over, it had had a diner in it. Before. Oh, okay. So you go in now, and it's very, there's like a little space in the front, which is sort of the shop where they greet customers, and they have a few items for sale that they've uh, picked up over the years and fixed up. Um, but then mo- the bulk of the work happens in the back where... Um, People are not allowed to go because there's all these sort of caustic chemicals and things like that. So yeah. I, I didn't get to see back there, but he said way in the back there was where the kitchen was when it was a diner. And when you walk in to the little space in the front, he said the, you know, his dad had said the counter was off to the left. And But you go in there now and it feels sort of old timey, like walking into sort of walking back in history because you're in this tiny, tiny little space. There's the kinds of stuff for sale that you don't really see for sale anymore. These sort of old like tableware sort of mm-hmm. things, you know, and, and old chandeliers hanging, a variety of interesting signs <laughs> about, whether, about how they don't take credit cards. And <laughs> I did see like a that, no credit right? card sign, yeah. Right? And then there's a few sort of uh, built-in cupboards in the walls that may or may not be original. It's hard to tell. But it definitely has a feel of an old space. Well, we'll see what the future holds for this building. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, it's for sale, as we mentioned. Uh, would make a great candidate for uh, some kind of entertainment or condos. You think right. the way the way a lot of uh, buildings go. Right. You hate to see you, you hate to see the building go like that accurate lock and key that we talked about yeah. a while back because similar style kind of building. Um, and th- in this building itself, we don't know if it would be, you know, rehabbed or if it would go. It's, right. It depends who buys it, I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. I guess it depends. But you know, they're asking nearly a million dollars. So my sense is that somebody who would buy it would be looking to extract the maximum out of that real estate, <laughs> yeah. which I'm, I'm no expert, but I would guess would mean taking the building down and building something that covers the entire footprint, multi-story. Well, you can, well, you can look inside and see see this uh, chapter of Milwaukee history we've been talking about here inside of the A. Werner Silversmith. Again, this is on State Street, right nope. next to 8... What did I say? <laughs> you said it's on State Street. I, oh, excuse me. It's on Water. Um, this is on this is on Water Street, right across from or right next door to AJ Bombers. So if you're in that area, give it one last look before it changes hands. And if you need any silversmithing done, yes. hurry. <laughs> get get, <laughs> Go get your order now. in. <laughs> he's gonna. I should say that he is gonna keep. Uh, he's gonna keep it open until it sells. So I mean, if it takes six months to sell, he'll be there six months. If it takes a year to sell, he'll be there a year. All right. Check your check your uh, your china cabinet and make sure you got the nice silverware all polished up and repaired. <laughs> well, podcast here on 88.9 produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted Sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab. We get support from On Milwaukee and from Landmark Credit Union. Please do subscribe to this podcast. You can find this and every other 88.9 podcast at Radio Milwaukee org slash podcast or if you're on a podcast app we're there too you can find all of our podcasts there including right now diverse disruptors season two hosted by Tariq moody more about that on our podcast page all right bobby next week we're going out to downtown wauwatosa yep. different downtown in milwaukee yep. uh the future home of vendetta coffee uh vendetta's open oh it's open okay it's open yeah so we are going to the home of vendetta coffee which is an 1895 cream city brick building. All right. And uh, fun fact, Bobby, I used to work at the Chancery, so <gasps> I'm familiar. So you know I've been space. behind this bar, and I can't wait to talk about this. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Beautiful bar coming Ex- up next week. Thanks, Dave. All right. See you then.